thought this might need to be said this morning. Last week during the announcements, I encouraged everyone to be attending Bible class, especially the adult class. And I made a comment that David is teaching us things that I didn't know were in the Bible. <laughs> and as I thought about that, I thought maybe I needed to clarify that. <laughs> so I'm going to clarify it. Uh, in David's Bible class, he's teaching us and pointing out the little nuances in Scripture. They give us a better understanding of God's will to help us live the kind of life that Christ would have us live so that we may be worthy of the name Christian. So that's what I meant by that. So if anybody was bothered by it, hopefully that takes care of that. But uh, I hope this congregation appreciates the sermons that David presents to us each week. Uh, we love David. If we could duct tape him to this podium and not let him go. <laughs> David, would that work? Uh, we might be able to. I don't think Christy would. <laughs> We as long as somebody not. brings some food, you know. <laughs> we'll bring a little water and bread on occasion. Yeah. But we would do that if we could. All but right. I don't think Christy would appreciate that. Yeah, probably We'd not. We'd have to duct tape her up here, too. Some way she might appreciate it. Yeah. But we love David. We don't want him to go. But we know that uh, that's something he has to do for the family. So um, we're very thankful for his lessons. Uh, they tug at our hearts. He's pointing out scripture. I hope everybody opens their Bibles this morning Amen. because you don't have to watch the news. You just have to walk up and down the street to see that the world that we live in needs Christ as much today as it did in the first century. And the elders are so very thankful for the thoughtful, insightful, and scriptural sermons that David brings to this congregation. Th David, thank you. God bless you. I'm done. All right. I, I just appreciate took it. Two minutes of your time so you can preach two minutes over. I know. I'm looking at the clock already. I'm like, oh boy. All right. Well, thank you, Randy. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Everybody uh, having a good start to their week? All right. I'm sorry for all those who are hurting. Obviously, Diana's gloating. We're going to have to preach a lesson on humility, I think, here soon. <laughs> You know, and not, not, not rubbing it in. <clears throat> Even in between one of the songs, she like pulled her pants up. She's like, look at my socks. <laughs> no, it was, it, was a, it was a great game yesterday, hard fought. And, you know, it's, uh, we ended up on the wrong side. Some of us ended up on the wrong side. But you know what? It's okay. There's always next year. I've been telling myself that as a Lions fan for 50 years now. <laughs> always next year. But we're here to talk about the scriptures. So if you want... Open up your Bibles here this morning to Galatians uh, chapter 6. I want you to open up there. I'm going to have some slides on the screen behind me, but I want you to kind of follow along because I'm going to, we're going to focus on Galatians 6, 1 through, uh, probably 1 through 5, 1 through 6 here this morning. Uh, we're going to tie in Psalms 55. And if you look on the screen behind me, it says life's burdens. Life's burdens and the Bible's instructions. You know, it's important that we look at life's burdens and we think about life's burdens and what the Bible teaches because oftentimes when we're, uh, oftentimes when we're thinking about life, we're thinking about all the troubles that we have, many times we're talking with friends or we're talking with family, but those friends and family aren't always what? In the church. And if they're not always in the church, what type of advice do we usually get? Worldly advice because that's all they know to give. 
And so we need to understand what the Bible teaches in regards to burden bearing and, and what, uh, and there's three really aspects of it that we're going to focus on. Because as I said, sooner or later, every home, every person, every individual are going to have burdens in their lives that oftentimes seem too heavy to bear. And so today's lesson is going to uh, focus on Galatians chapter 6, is going to be the crux of the first half of the lesson, and then we'll get into Psalm 55. But in Galatians chapter 6, notice what it says in your Bibles, and starting in verse 1. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness. Did I mention gentleness this morning in our Bible class? That we restore a brother who's in sin with the spirit of gentleness, love, reverence. And so, you know, restore the individual. Uh, with the spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you yourselves won't be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thus, though, thus there fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, he is nothing if, he if he's deceiving himself. But each one must examine his own work and then he will have reason in boasting in regards to himself alone and not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load. Then you think about Psalm 55. We'll read it real quick. Randy read it this morning. But in Psalm 55, it says, Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will, he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. Those are the two uh, passages of Scripture that are going to be the crux of today's lesson. The first half of the lesson is going to focus on Galatians chapter 6. Because as I said a moment ago, sooner or later, every home, every person find our, our, ourselves with burdens that, well, seem too heavy to bear sometimes. And so the Bible, it really makes three uh, important statements in Psalm 55 and in Galatians chapter 6 that we're going to examine here this morning. The first one is found in Galatians 6 and 5. So if I were to go back and you looked at Galatians 6 and 5, or if you have your Bibles open, notice that it says that each one should bear his own burden. Each one should bear his own load. Well, there's a problem with that because in verse 2 it says, bear each other's burdens and in this way fulfill the law of Christ. Well, it sounds contradictory, but then we get to Psalm 55 and verse 22, and it says that we are to cast our burdens on the Lord. Well, which one is it? Well, I'm here to tell you it could be a combination of the three. And we're going to break those, we're going to break those down here this morning, and we're going to look to see what the Apostle Paul was teaching to the people uh, of Galatia in uh, chapter 6. So let's get started with Galatians 6 and 5 this morning. It tells us that each one should bear his own load. Each one should bear his own burden. And in this life, there are burdens that we alone, ourselves, can only uh, bear. No one else can sometimes bear certain loads and certain burdens that are in our very lives. But it makes me think of what Peter said in 1 Peter, uh, in chapter 4, in verse 10. And it says, as each one has received a special gift, I need you, he says, I need you to employ in the serving of one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So how do, we, how do we kind of reconcile these passages that almost seem to be teaching something a little bit different? Well, we have to keep them in context. And so as members of God's creation, we have no excuse because according to Peter, we have all been uh, given a special gift and we are to employ that gift into service of one another in the church and in the world. And so there is a life for you to live. Do each and every one of us have our own separate lives? And then during the, uh, during the time of our lives, don't we all make choices? 
And don't we all produce either good fruit or bad fruit? Uh, bad fruit? We're either the good tree, meaning we're righteous, or we're the bad tree, meaning sinful and evil. And so we produce bad fruit if we're the bad tree. But th this life that we live is separate and distinct from each and every other person on this planet. Nobody on this planet can believe in Christ Jesus for you. There's a reason why so many of our children, as they go off to college, don't return to the church of their youth, because they never learned to have their own faith. They had their parents' faith, or maybe their grandparents' faith. But they need to learn how to have their faith, because they're going to stand before God in judgment. And so when we think about there's loads or, 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 or burdens in this life that only we can bear, nobody can believe in Christ for you. Nobody can repent of the sin in your life for you. Nobody can... Uh, uh, answer for you when you stand before God in judgment. For each one must give an account of his life before a holy and righteous God. And that means that nobody gets lost in the crowd. That means that nobody gets to hide behind others. That means nobody gets to hide behind organizations because each one will stand or fall on his own merits. Each one will stand or fall based on the choices that they make in their life. And choices could have either positive or negative consequences to them. And so there was a man back in the colonial days who was a preacher. His name was John Edwards. And he wrote in a diary. In his diary, he said, he said, first resolved that every man should do right whatever the cost. His second resolve was whether any, whether any other man does right or not, I will so help me God. And I love that, right? Because that is the supreme being, that is the supreme business of every Christian. Every man or woman or child who follows God makes Jesus the Lord of their lives, that everyone shall bear his own load. Everyone shall bear his own burden. And so when he says whether any or other man does right or not, by the will of God, I will. For God knows us as individuals. He judges us and he He. Uh, he knows our thoughts, he knows our actions, there's nothing that's done in secret, for he knows all things. And so whether anybody else does right or not, we as Christians must be determined to do what is right. Whether anybody in the world is true or not, we must be determined as Christians to be faithful and true as individuals. It begins first and foremost with us as individuals. And so at times there's that's why when we read what it's saying in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 5, that each one must bear his own load, bear his own burden, that's what it's talking about. Because we know that because when you go back to verse 4, and if I go back a few slides and you were to look at this, notice that verse 4 says that, but each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting. But only in regards to himself, not into another. So you need to examine your life. Examine the fruit of your life. Randy said this morning we can be fruit inspectors, and we should examine the fruit either that we uh, produce as righteous individuals. Do we produce good deeds or do we produce bad deeds? Do we produce bad works? Are we living in sin? Are we the bad tree that bears bad fruit? And so these are the things that we're looking to talk about here this morning because the highest contribution that we as individuals, as we bear our own load, can make to any community, whether it's Lincoln Park, Trenton, Southgate, Allen Park, Woodhaven, no matter where you live, each and every one of us, the greatest uh, contribution that we can make to our communities is a life well lived. Amen? A life well lived, a life that is lived in righteousness, with high integrity and high moral character. And we need to offer the world the right kind of life. And the most beautiful portrait that we see 
uh, in five words of Jesus is that he went about doing good. He went about doing good. And so should we. Someone once said that one example is worth a thousand arguments. And I want you to think about that for a second. One example is worth a thousand arguments. Well, let me give you an example. There's this little story in the Old Testament. It's called about Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you remember how many uh, righteous individuals were needed in order to save an entire village of people? Ten. Ten people were needed. So I asked the question, would you have been one of the ten? Because what did I just say is the greatest gift that we could give to our individual communities, to the world, a life well lived. Are we the righteous tree or are we the bad tree? Right? Are we producing righteous, good works, or are we producing bad fruit, meaning sin in our lives? And so, if you fast forward that story to the 21st century, and we're here in Lincoln Park, Michigan, and we all live in Lincoln Park, and we needed 10 righteous individuals to save the entire community of people, could you be counted as one of those 10? Only you can answer that question. But don't forget, God knows all things. He knows if you're living faithful. He knows if you're the good tree. He knows if you're the bad tree. He knows the fruit that's being uh, produced from your life. And so the, the most, one of the most beautiful five-word portraits of Jesus is that he went about doing good. Another example would be Jesus had 12 apostles, and then I know it grew. But when we think about the 12 men, they went outside after Jesus had given a commission, he goes back to heaven, he gives them a commission, the Holy Spirit comes, empowers them, and they turn the, uh, the world uh, right side up. Living in, amongst a, 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 a torturous regime like the Roman Empire, and those 12 individuals, along with all the disciples, they went out into the world and made a world of difference. And so when you think about uh, what I said a moment ago, one example is worth a thousand, a thousand arguments. How we live our lives matters. And so it's very important that we understand these things. The best contribution that we could ever offer this world is to, is to set the right example. And now we think about the second aspect of this. And now we get to verse 2. Because when you get to uh, Galatians and you get to uh, chapter 6 and you, uh, you, you look at verse 2, it tells us that we are to bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. Right? Well, what is he saying here? Well, burdens oftentimes should be shared with others. And we'll talk about this here this morning. It is also important to check the context of this passage. Because it says in verse 5 that only, uh, you know, only you can bear your own load, your own burden. But yet, verse 2 said that we can bear the burdens of others and that we should. And so many of the problems that we have in religion and the church is because scriptures have been taken out of their proper context. And so we go back and we look at Galatians 6 and 1. And what did it say in the verse before verse 2? It says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, it's talking about sin. You who are spiritual, meaning righteous, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you be tempted. Brethren, that's what we were talking about in Bible study this morning. That as brothers in Christ, as sisters in Christ, that we are to go to one another when we find sin in the church. And when we find sin 
that is, uh, uh, that is glaring and obvious in one another's lives. We are to go each other to each other individually. And if they don't listen to you, then you take two or three more so that you can be witnesses. If they don't listen to you, them, you take it to the church. If they don't learn, listen to the church, then that you allow those Christians, those brothers and sisters who have gone apostate, to be like tax, collect, tax collectors and heathens. And so what is the point here when, when we look at this passage of Scripture? The Apostle Paul says that we are to bear one another's burdens, thus fulfilling the law of Christ. So if a man or a woman, a brother or sister in Christ, is overtaken in any fault, talking about sin, should we criticize them? Should we uh, throw stones at them? Should we talk about them and gossip and slander? Has that ever happened in the church? Huh. No. That's not what we're called to do. We're not called to do that. We should seek to help those amongst us who have gone astray into sin. We are told by scriptures to go in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2 and to look to reclaim them, to, uh, to recover them, to restore them. All those who are going astray, all those who are going down a sinful path. It's talking about Christians. And so, but... You look at this passage of scripture, and we understand that this scripture goes on, and it really does hit at the heart of more than that. Not only are we to do our best to restore people who are walking in a path of sinful living, but we are to reach out to help other people around us, whatever the burdens may be. And this really in life is true because there are burdens of responsibility that we know that only us as individuals can bear. But there's also burdens of sorrow, there's burdens of pain, there's, bur there's various different types of burdens, decisions that are too difficult to make and that you look for wise counsel. There's ways for us to help bear each other's burdens. For example, uh, do not make it hard for the shepherds of this congregation to do their job. Because they are put in positions of authority, positions of trust and responsibility, and we should make it easy upon them by, uh, for them to do their job as shepherds of this congregation. Well, how do we make it easy on them? By living the right kind of lives. So they can focus on the spiritual well-being of the congregation. They can focus on the work of the church. They can focus on all that goes into eldership and shepherding. So brothers and sisters, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. You know, I like to watch movies, and in some of the movies that I like to watch are, you know, they're, they're uh, like sci-fi type stuff and different things. Anybody ever see The Lord of the Rings? Uh, I like to watch The Lord of the Rings movies. I know it might not be your cup of tea, but it's my cup of tea, and so I like to drink it. And so as I'm watching these movies, uh, it makes me think of the friendship. It makes me think of the camaraderie that they have in these movies. Because you got you got hobbits, you got elves, you got dwarves, you got mankind, and, they're, and they unite together in a spirit of bonds, a spirit of friendship, brotherhood, if you will, to help Frodo reach Mordor. To do what? To destroy the evil ring that's threatening the existence of all mankind. And the journey that they were on had been difficult. It had been long. It had been dangerous. And Frodo and his friend Sam uh, had barely survived the dangers that they encountered along the way. And they approached their, as they were approaching their goal, they, they're reaching their physical and emotional limits. Anybody here in life ever get to a point in life where you're reaching your physical and emotional limits? 
And so what happens? Hopefully, if you have built up trust and relationships within the family of Christ, the body of Christ, then we help bear each other's burdens. I can't always literally take your burden away, but I can help you carry your burden. I can help lift you up and encourage you and strengthen you. And so as Sam and Frodo are climbing the mountain, and as they struggled upward towards the cave in order to, to throw the ring into the fire, to, in order to, uh, to destroy the ring, what do we see on the way up? Frodo, he collapses. He collapses. He didn't have the strength to go on anymore. And so Frodo was the only one, though, that could carry this ring because of its mysterious power to tempt and to do other things. And so Sam, knowing this, says, I may not be able to carry the ring, Frodo, but I could carry you. I may not be able to carry the ring because of the problems that would be associated with it, but I could carry you. And so, brothers and sisters, he, he lifted up Frodo, he threw him over his shoulder, and he carried him the rest of the way. And we know the rest of the story and how the story ends. And so, that is how we as Christians are called to live towards one another. We can't literally carry one another's burdens, but we can carry one another. We can lift each other up and encourage each other. I got a text from uh, our sister Judy t uh, this week, and it was talking about a sister uh, that she was helping, her and Ed were helping, and she was doing what? She was bearing the burden. She had lifted Frodo up, so to speak, and put him on their shoulder and, 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 brought, and helped carry them to the rest of the way, so to speak, by helping them to, to carry that load, carry that burden. You can't always take the burden away. You can't take the load away, but you can be there as a brother or sister to help encourage and strengthen. And so, brothers and sisters, we look at this here this morning. We can lift each other up and make sure that no one gets left behind. Make sure that no one is feeling alone. Make sure that no one is, feels deserted by their family here at Lincoln Park. And that's why lately I've been encouraging you to look at the pews around you. Look at some of the holes in the pews. And if you know that we all sit in the same spot every week... You call on the brothers and sisters that you know aren't there and ask them. Make sure they're okay. Find out if anything's going on in their lives. And see if there's a way you can be an assistance if they need it. We are to help to lift each other and encourage one another. And then I get to the next passage of Scripture. We get to the next passage of Scripture, and this is the last aspect of uh, burden bearing. Uh, and the third aspect that we're going to look at here today. And it comes from Psalm 55 and verse 22 that says, Cast your burdens upon the Lord. And the scriptures tell us that he will sustain us. Well, if you were to read the 55th Psalm in its entirety, from which this great promise is taken, you're going to find some other language that says, Oh, that I had the wings of a dove, he cried. Why? That I could fly away, that I could get away, that I could be at rest, and that the burdens were so heavy, and that they, the problems of life were so awful, that he just wanted to quit, that I'll, that I'll give up. I'll get away. I'll flee. I won't stay here any longer. Has anybody ever thought like that? Anybody ever have those thoughts? Doesn't that sound familiar? Over the years, how many times have you heard somebody say, I've had as much as I can take. I've had as much as I can bear. And so what happens oftentimes? We look to get away. But you see, that doesn't always work. Why? Doesn't life have a way of catching up to you? You see, because you can't run away from your burdens. You can't run away from your memories. You can't run away from your personality and from yourself and from, the, and from the bad choices that some of us continue to make over and over and over again. Life has a way of catching up with us. 
And so you can't run away from life's burdens because life will find you. And the Lord knows all things. And so what are you going to do? Where are you going to go? Well, Psalm 55 leads us to believe that there's one place that we could go and one place that we should go. That we should cast our burden upon the Lord because he will sustain us. He may not always take the burden away, but sometimes he does. And so when we go to God in prayer, there's usually a couple things that happen. Sometimes we'll be like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and we'll offer up a prayer that says something like, Lord, if it be possible, take this cup from me. Anybody ever pray that prayer? And sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. But other times we pray and the burden remains. And so what if God doesn't take the burden away? Do we have illustrations of scripture? Do we have things that we can turn to to give us strength in those times? Brethren, I'm here to tell you that we do. And it comes by the way of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians in chapter 12. And if you look at verse 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, notice what it says. Three times I pleaded with the Lord that he take away this thorn in the flesh, that he take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. We know that the Apostle Paul had this figurative thorn that was in his side. We don't uh, know what it is. Many of your Bible commentary, uh, people that write Bible commentaries and historians, they'll speculate as to what it may be. Maybe it was poor eyesight. Maybe it was other things. But we don't really fully know what it was. But we do know that he prayed, Lord, if it be your will, take this cup from me. He essentially said that prayer. He was praying for God to remove it. But he says, my grace, God says, is sufficient for you. And God said to the Apostle Paul, he essentially said, no matter where you go, no matter what, uh, no matter what shall be the outcome, my grace is sufficient for you. Never again after that, after that passage of Scripture do we see the Apostle Paul uh, petition the Lord in order to, take, to have that thorn taken away. From that time on, the Apostle Paul said, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses, so that Christ, uh, the power of Christ may rest on me. Because he'll give added grace, he'll give added mercy. And so brothers and sisters, I would Paul says, I would rather have the thorn in my flesh plus the added grace of God than to have the, the thorn removed, to have the burden removed, and then to also have the grace of God potentially removed. And so we look at this, brethren, God will give increased grace to all those who deal with the burdens of life while remaining faithful unto the Lord. You look at uh, Jesus. And you look at all the great many wonderful promises that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have made. And you can do a study on the promises of the Lord, and it's such an encouraging study. And we know that Jesus has plans for your life. We know that Jesus had gone to prepare a place. And we know that if we remain faithful, that the grace of God will cover us of any and all iniquity. And so, brethren, God always comes to sustain those who put their trust in him. And as I get ready to close this lesson down, I'm going to give you a little story about a lady. And this lady's name was Annie Johnson Flint. Her life on earth can never be described as easy. I mean, that's, that's a given. Quite the contrary. From the childhood, her body endured the onslaught of rheumatoid arthritis until she could no longer even get out of bed in the morning. Over the years, her affliction took a great toll leaving her with no choice but to seek comfort from sleeping by resting on pillows. 
Her body developed serious bed sores, bed sores, and then her body was ravaged by cancer. And yet her attitude during this entire time, throughout all those struggles, with pain and confinement and suffering and loneliness, brethren, she was one of the great prolific writers of Christian poems. And then we've taken one of her Christian poems and we've turned it into a hymn. And it's called, He Giveth More Grace. He giveth more grace, and in her poem she says, He giveth more grace, grace, and when the burdens grow greater, He sends more strength when the labors increase. To added affliction, He adds His mercy. To multiply trials, He multiplies His peace. His love has no limit, His grace has no measure, His power has no boundary that is known unto men. For out of His infinite riches in Jesus, He giveth and giveth and giveth again. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed ere the day is half over, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving has only begun. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power has no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. Brothers and sisters, she wrote that poem while she was dealing with her body being ravaged by cancer, her body being ravaged over time by rheumatoid arthritis, bed sores all over her, and discomfort uh, while in confinement. You think she was probably dealing with some loneliness and depression? And yet she wrote that poem. Because she was like the Apostle Paul. She knew that she prayed, and that yet the thorn remained, but she knew that God's grace was sufficient for her life. And so, brothers and sisters, as I close this lesson down, whatever burdens of sin you have, whatever burdens of sin, of grief, of disappointment or remorse, whatever burdens of sin, fear, or failure, I ask that you dare to cast your burdens upon the Lord. I dare that you ask your brothers, your brothers and sisters in Christ for their assistance. We can't literally take the load away. We can't literally take the burden away. But we could be there like Sam was for Frodo to lift him up, throw him over our shoulder, and help get him to the finish line. Brethren, we need to help our brothers and sisters get to the figurative finish line of life. By calling each other out in love with gentleness and compassion. When we see glaring sin in our lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to help each other, to lift each other up, and be careful that we don't allow ourselves to be tempted, as Galatians 6, in about verse 5 or 6 says. But we do so with a spirit of humility, not looking to cast stones, not looking to disparage, but to lift them up out of, out of sin and out of the bondage that sin creates. And so that is what we've been called to do. So, brothers and sisters, I think about the scriptures here this morning. For the grace of the Lord is sufficient for us in our times of weakness. The grace of the Lord is sufficient for us in our times of despair. And we are to bear our own loads because only we can call upon the name of Christ. Only we can believe in Christ, repent of sin, and live a godly life. And only we can then have our lives be judged by the good works, the good fruit that we use as we try to bear each other's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. If you're hearing this message this morning, brethren, and you're not a child of God, 
I pray that today is the day that you make Jesus the Lord of your life. What are you waiting for? You might not make it home this afternoon. I hope we all do. But the fact remains is it's not guaranteed. How do I know that? Because I watch the local news. And every single day people are dying from all various types of accidents and crime and everything in between. Brothers and sisters, you have an opportunity uh, right now also to confess. If you have sin, unchecked sin in your life, and you want to confess publicly the sin, you don't have to. You can do it from your pews. But if you want public accountability by the church, you can come forward, and we'll pray for you. And we won't judge you. And we're not going to cast stones. And we'll put a plan in place to help you, to lift you up out of the bondages of sin. But if you've been away from the church for a while, and, you're, and you know that you're not living a godly life, whether you're listening to this at home, or whether you're here this morning, and you want to be restored to the church, you can do that too. The shepherds will come forward, and all those who desire to be restored, ask for prayer, or give their lives to Christ, I ask that you come forward now as we stand and sing. Song of Invitation.